again. And, um, and I want to read down further this time because, it, because God is focusing on Himself and trying to reassure the children of Israel of what He will do for them. Say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. That word Lord there is talking about Jehovah, God, the Creator, the Almighty One. I am the Lord. I will bring you out of, from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will take you for, or, or take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into a land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for an, inher- for an heritage. And then he says again, I am the Lord. Amen. I want you to notice all of the I wills and the I am's there. Amen. Amen. I will do this because I am the Lord. I will bring you out. I will give you a land that I promised. I will redeem you. I will be a God to you. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God is a God of of I will? I will help you. I will heal you. I will comfort you. I will sustain you. I will protect you. Amen. That's that's God God wants to do things for his people. Amen. 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 I want to talk to you for just a, a few minutes this morning on this subject. A redeeming God is a keeping God. A redeeming God is a keeping God. If God has the power to redeem you, God has the power to keep you. Amen. He he has the power to keep you from, from, from everything. He has the power. One writer said, Now to him that is able to keep us from falling. Amen. There's a God that wants to help you today. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. It it is a gross understatement to say that the one true and God is powerful. The, The reason for that is that when we mere humans speak of power, we are limited in our understanding of power. We understand power in, in terms of human capabilities. You know, what, what I can do and, you know, what I cannot do. And, and you know, the question, you know, could be asked, what, what is real power? It is it lifting the end of a car? You know, I, uh, I maybe I'm, sometimes I'm too transparent uh, in preaching, but... Uh, I've always liked things of a of a physical nature, and uh, you know, like like to do physical things. That's that's why, 
you know, things and martial arts such as judo and things like jujitsu were appealing to me. And, uh, you know, power lifting. You know, I, I, I still like to see, you know, the, these contests, these, these power lifters. And, you know, I've, I've seen them, you know, lift the, the ends of a car. I, I've seen them pulling, you know, large trucks uh, a, a certain distance. And, and uh, uh, but, but what is real power? What is real power? It is real power withstanding ridicule or persecution without retaliation. I, I would submit that we all would agree that the aforementioned would be examples of strength and, and, and others could be added to the list. But when you describe God's power, what, what adjectives do you use? Do, do you use the word great? That do you use the word unlimited? As in he has unlimited power. What, what about the word immense? What, would you use that to describe the, the power of God? Absolute? Or supreme? Or how about all powerful? To, to describe the power of God can be a daunting task because... Describing his power describes his capabilities. And, and really, when you think about it, who can do this? Who can fully comprehend the acts of God? Who can fully comprehend what God is capable of doing on their own behalf? I, I contend this morning... That as individuals, you and I are not even not don't even have the capability of being able to fully comprehend what God can do on your personal behalf. So far too many times we we sell God short for what He can do for us. It, it is it's hard for us. To see beyond our bodily pain and our employment problems and our, our financial hardships, our, our family situations, our hurts and, and, and our anxieties of life. And our faith in God's capabilities are limited to the magnitude of what we face. And knowing this, we need to keep one promise of Scripture foremost in our minds. That's when Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. And he said, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. And unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, a world without end. Amen. Amen. What, the, what, what Scripture is telling us is that God is as powerful as you believe Him to be. Amen. Amen. And I do believe that God's power is unlimited. In the, in the realm of what we can understand unlimited to be. But, but the scripture speaks of the power of God. Because in the very first verse of the Bible. The Bible says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That speaks of the power and the capability of God. 
Eight times in this, in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, it is recorded that God said, and every time God spoke, something happened. Amen. Amen. I want to say that again. Every time God spoke, something that had, was not in existence came into being. Now you talk about power, that's power. Amen. You, when you talk about a God that can just speak a word and that that was not in existence all of a sudden came into existence, there's nobody else can do that. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. How can we understand this? The writer said it's only through faith that we understand it. Why? Because we cannot understand the true capabilities of God. We cannot understand the true, uh, the true power of God. So it is through faith that we have to understand that the worlds were framed by the Word. Listen to what the writer is saying. It's framed by the Word of God. Nothing but the Word Framed by the word of God to this degree. That things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. John said in the book of Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 6. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters. And the voice of mighty thunderings saying. Alleluia for the Lord God omnipotent. What is that? That is all powerful, omnipotent for the Lord God that is all powerful, reigns and it keeps on reigning. Now I'm telling you, that is power. That's power. So when you talk about the, the power of God and His ability to redeem we, we can look at the history of the working of God and how God worked on behalf of His people and kind of get a little bit of understanding of what God is going to do with and through His the, this present day church. So this unfathomable power of God has not been limited to the use and creation. I thank God the Bible tells me, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. I'm thankful that the Bible helps me to understand what I can about the unlimited power of God because I'm going to tell you how I believe it. If God is able to say, let there be and there was, He's able to look into any situation in my life and say, let there be and that's what is going to happen. Amen. If I need healing in my body, there's a God that has power to say, let there be healing and all of a sudden that which was not has come into existence amen there's a God that we serve today that no matter what the situation and circumstance of your life it seems to be that can say let there be and their things begin to change and happen and transpire in your life at the moment that the word of God has issued and it happens 
And somebody ought to thank God for that today. What power. What ability. What strength. Just to be able to say. Let it be. And there it is. You can't match that anywhere. You can't match that anywhere. Amen. So, His power is not limited to use in creation. He's used this power to provide for His people. Somebody say amen. Amen. He's used this power to set up and tear down kingdoms. And He's used this power to manifest Himself to people in various ways. And so God has not been hesitant to use His unlimited power on the behalf of His people. Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll believe in a God of hesitation. You know, we'll kind of wonder. You know, I I know God can heal me, but I, I, I wonder if He will. I know God can move this mountain, but I I don't know if He will. I know God can undertake in this circumstance, but I just really don't know if He will. But when you look at the record in, in the Word of God, the many, many, many times that it's recorded in God's Word, we have to come to the understanding and face the fact that there is a God that has not been hesitant to use His unlimited, limited power on the behalf of his people there have been times in the past that due to the cry of his people in time of trouble God has has responded with a show of his power to deliver from the adversary Psalm chapter 3 you should know it well by now we, we start studied chapter 3 and 4 and we started Psalm chapter 1 this pa- or chapter 5 this past Wednesday and, and, and that entire context from chapter 3 all the way through chapter 7. It is, is David fleeing the city of Jerusalem because of Absalom's rebellion. But, but just to illustrate here in, Psalm cha- in, in the third chapter of Psalm, David said, Lord, how are they, that, uh, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me, and many there be which say to my soul, There is no help for him in God, Selah. But listen in verse number 3. But thou, O Lord, you God, you God, you are a shield for me. You are my glory. You're the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awake for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, the psalmist says, and save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all of my enemies upon the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs unto the Lord thy blessing is upon thy people Selah and all you have to do is go back through the record of history in this context and understand that God is not hesitant to use his power 
to help His children. Because God in essence put down the rebellion of Absalom and restored David to His rightful throne that He had been anointed and, and prophesied would, would hold. Amen. So we, we see even in this instance uh, that God is not hesitant to use His power to help His children. I want to ask you a question before we go any further this morning. What is it that you need God for you to do in this place this morning? What is it that you need from God today? Amen. If you'll just have faith in Him and in His power. Amen. There is a God that is not hesitant. He'll use His power to help you. He will heal your body. He will heal your mind. He will work on your behalf. He will show Himself strong on the behalf of His people. We still believe that today? Amen. So when the children of Israel were walking, or were in bondage to the Egyptians, God sent Moses with the promise of a dramatic deliverance. It was a message from God delivered to the Israelites. It was the voice of Moses that they heard, but it was the Word of God. It was God saying, I am the Lord. In other words, that use of the word Lord there is He's telling them, I'm the Creator. I am Jehovah. I am the Omnipotent One. I am the Almighty. I am the King of Kings. I am the Lord of Lords. That's what God is trying to get those Hebrews to understand through the voice of Moses. I am the Lord. And listen, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rid you out of their bondage and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Again, God is saying, I'll do this. I'm the one that's going to do it. I'll deliver you. I will help you. I will restore you. I will redeem you. I will take care of you. And in the entirety of the context that we read is God trying to get those Hebrews to understand if I redeem you out of the out of the land of bondage if I redeem you from Egyptians bondage I'll keep wherever it is uh, that I take you. I'm the God that has the power to redeem and I'm the God that has the power to carry you through. Amen. Amen. I have been redeemed. And the God that I'm serving is in the process of carrying through today. He's carrying us through. We see things that we ought not to see nowadays. You know, we, we're, we're, we're experiencing things that we never thought that we would experience nowadays. Amen. But there's a God that's carrying us through. And I'm going to tell you, amen, we, there may be times that, that we're in that wide valley that Brother Tim sang about this morning. But I'm telling you, in that wide valley, there is a hand of God that will reach down and carry us all the way through that valley. Because the God that redeemed you is the same God that will carry you through any obstacle, any circumstance. Any situation in your life. 
and see you through to the other side. Amen. I'm reminded of the scripture. It's not in my notes, but I'm reminded of the scripture the time that Jesus told the disciples. He said, I want you to get in the boat. And he said, I want you to go to the other side. I'll see you on the other side. In the middle of the Sea of Galilee, there whipped up a pretty, pretty ferocious storm. And those disciples began to cry out for fear. Because they thought that they were about to die and they were about to perish. But one thing it seems like to me that they should have kept in mind, Sister Thomas, is the fact that Jesus, if Jesus said, I'll see you on the other side, it doesn't matter what happens between the time you launch the boat and until you get to the other shore. Amen. If Jesus said, I'm going to see you on the other side, can I tell you something? You're going to make it to the other side. Because the God that redeems you is the same God that will keep you. Amen. And sometimes if we're in, and so so common in, in, in us as humans, because sometimes if we our faith can be so fragile. And it can be so weak that we can hear the promise of God as the Hebrew did when they when God said, I am the Lord and I am going to bring you out and I'm going to take care of you and I am going to redeem you and I am going to keep you. But when we get in the middle of a situation, we forget the fact that God said, I will do this. And we can be like those disciples. God, are we going to make it? God, are we going to survive this thing? God, are we going to be able to endure? God, are we going to be able to go through this? After all, we're facing things that we never faced before. You need to understand that that storm that those disciples was in, were in was a storm like they had never faced before because they were accustomed to storms arising on the Sea of Galilee. They were accustomed to the way that it sits and the geography around of the wind whipping over the mountains and dipping down and in a moment's notice. The seas that were calm and glassy, all of a sudden waves begin to kick up. And they were in a storm like they had never been in before because they were afraid they were going to die. And these were seasoned fishermen. They'd been in storms, many storms, on the Sea of Galilee before that storm. But this particular storm kicked up and they thought they were going to perish. Amen. But listen. The God that redeemed them is the God that will take them through. The God that said, I will. I will. I will. I will. Amen. In Psalms 136, Hezekiah says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever, and and brought out 
Israel from among them, for His mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for His mercy endures forever. To Him which divided the sea, the Red Sea into parts, for His mercy endures forever. And made Israel to pass through in the midst of it, for His mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for His mercy endures forever. To Him which led His people through the wilderness. Not just into the wilderness. But Hezekiah said, He led them through the wilderness. What is the old prophet saying? I'm telling you what he's saying. The God that redeemed them is the God that saw them all the way through every obstacle, every trial, every turmoil, and everything that they could face in life. The God that redeemed them is the God that took them all the way through because His mercy endures forever. Are you hearing me this morning? The God that redeemed you is the God that will take you through. So not only would God use His unlimited power to deliver His people from bondage, But He'll make a way for them when their back is against the wall. He'll provide for them in the wilderness. And He will overthrow any opposition that stands in their way. I'm telling you, God is active on the behalf of His people. See, you you can believe that what God has done in the past, God would do in the present. Because He's not just a God of the past. The Bible speaks of Jesus Christ being the same. He's not just a God. He's not a God that would just deliver Israel out of Egyptian bondage and part the waters of the Red Sea. And allows people to pass through the midst of it. And then consume the armies of Pharaoh. And not just lead them into the wilderness. But as Hezekiah said. To him which led his people through the wilderness. Amen. I'm telling you what God leads you into. He'll also lead you out of it. Amen. Amen. What God leads you into. He will also Lead you out of it. Amen. So if there is any any trouble, any turmoil, any any situation of life that God sees fit to lead you into, you need to rest assured the fact that the God that redeemed you is the God that will carry you all the way through. If He leads you into the valley, He's going to lead you all the way through it. If He leads you in the wilderness, He'll lead you all the way through The wilderness, if He takes you in it, He'll take you out of it as well. He has never been a God. You can search history. He's never been a God that has allowed something to to come against His people and He leave them there. Amen? Amen. The, the The only caveat to that 
would be in 721 B.C. The Assyrians took Israel, that northern kingdom, captivity. 721. 721 B.C. And that was a captivity that that northern kingdom never came out of. But there were reasons for that. There were reasons they went into captivity to begin with. Because you look at the 19 kings of the northern, of the northern kingdom, none of them were godly kings. Every one of them did evil that was in in the sight of the Lord. The Bible said time after time, it started with Jeroboam the first. Started with Jeroboam when he said it's too, it's too, it's not convenient for you to go to Jerusalem to the house of God. We're going to create gods and we'll put one in Bethel and we'll put one in Dan instead of going to Jerusalem. Here's your gods that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Bible said that this thing became sin in the sight of the Lord. And no less than 21 times through the rest of the history of Israel, the Bible talks about king after king. King after king after king after king that they caused Israel to sin in the sin of Jeroboam. And so in 721 B.C. the Assyrians came and took them away captive. And they began to take other people, inhabitants of the land, and, 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 and implement them into the northern part of Israel. But that southern kingdom, that southern kingdom in 588 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar started a three-tiered invasion of Judah that took them into 70 years of captivity, into the Babylonian captivity. But listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Before they went in, There were prophets that God had sent that told them, you're going into captivity. He even told them how long? Seventy years. You're going into captivity, but after seventy years, I'm going to bring a remnant out and restore the land again. And even with with prophets like Jeremiah, that is telling the people, hey, you don't need to lose your hope in God. We're going into captivity. But after 70 years, God is going to bring us out of, of, of Babylonian captivity. Don't lose your hope in God. This has got to happen. There's got to be times like this. There's got to be trouble along the way. But I'm here to tell you, the same God that redeemed us out of Israel, out of Egypt, is the same God that will carry us all the way through back to our homeland. But see, they wouldn't listen because, because when struggles hit in, in captivity, they lost their joy. They lost their song. Jeremiah said they hung their harps on the willows. They wouldn't play in music. The Babylonians who were accustomed to hearing them sing the songs of Zion, praises unto their God, all of a sudden their voices became quiet and silent. And the people of Babylon came to them and said, Sing to us the songs of Zion. Sing again. Sing again. And their response was, How can we sing? 
the Lord's songs in a strange land. What happened was, is in the middle of captivity, they lost their hope. They lost their joy. And all the while, there's a prophet saying, don't lose your hope. Because after 70 years, we're coming out of here again. After 70 years, God is going to, God's going to cause a restoration to happen. After 70 years, we're coming up. Hey, how can you say that, Jeremiah? Because the God that redeemed us out of the Egyptians' bondage is the same God that's going to carry us all the way through. Amen. And can I help you this morning? Amen. Through the Word of the Lord, the same God that redeemed you so many years ago is the same God that's going to see you through. It doesn't matter how this world gets. It's shaking and it's rocking and it's rolling and it's reeling with sin and degradation. But hear me today. If God redeemed you, God has the same power to carry us all the way through. Because He is God. He is God. Scripture declares that He will. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2, He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He's anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now on that day that the Lord was in the synagogue and he was teaching. They handed to him the scrolls and he took the scroll and he found the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he unrolled that scroll until he got to this 61st chapter and he read, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He, he sent me to bind the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and open in a prison to them that are bound to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Bible said that He rolled the scroll and handed it back to them with these words this day. Is this Scripture fulfilled in your ears? But, 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 the Lord left something off that Isaiah had prophesied. The Lord didn't read it all. He didn't say anything about to proclaim the acceptable. He, he, he did say something to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But He didn't say anything and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. See, the Lord left that off. Why did He leave that off that day? Because that time had not come yet. That time, the rest of it, about Him being anointed of God, anointed to preach good tidings, to bind the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the captives, and the opening of prison to the bound, and to preach the, the acceptable year of the Lord. That was then. That was for that time. And that's the reason that the Lord left off. Because that time wasn't yet. But I'm telling you something right now. There is coming a time that is going to be the day of the vengeance of our God. Amen. To comfort all that mourn. 
Amen. You may be in sorrow now, but can I, can I, can I tell you something? Weeping endures just for a night. The Scripture said, but joy is coming in the morning. Why? Because the God that has the power to redeem you is the same God that has the power to take you all the way through until the end. Amen. So why? While there may be weeping, while there may be some sorrow, while there may be some consternation of spirit, when we look around and see everything that's happening in this world, we need to rest assured that the God that redeemed us is It's the same God that's going to carry us through. Can I tell you today, in the near future, there is coming a day that you're going to hear a sound like you have never heard before. Amen. There's going to split the eastern sky. The trumpet is going to sound. And Paul said, the dead in Christ are going to rise. And the we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be. What what is Paul saying? Paul is saying the same God that redeemed you is the same God that's going to carry you all the way to the end. Amen. Amen. There is coming that day of the justice of the Lord. There is coming that day that there's going to be wrath poured out upon all of the face of the earth. But it's not for the people of God. Because I'm telling you, the God that redeemed you is the same God that will rescue you. That's right. Amen. The God that redeemed you is the same God that will heal you. Amen. The same God that will feed you. Even in the wilderness, it can be like your clothes is not wearing out. Even in the wilderness, you can go out every morning and find manna from the Lord. Manna from heaven. That which will sustain you for the day that comes directly from God. Because the God that redeemed you is the God that has the power to, to keep you. Amen. 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 I close again this morning. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage and I will redeem you with great judgments. I will take you to me for a people. I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord, your God, which brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land concerning which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. 
And I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. Now, if God did not mean what He said, then you tell me why the nation of Israel right now, even though it's an ungodly nation, even though they rejected Christ as the Messiah, even though they turned their backs on Him at His crucifixion and cried for the release of an insurrectionist and a murderer and to crucify the Lord. If God is an unfaithful God and does not have the power to do what He promised to do, then I ask you why are they dwelling in the land that God promised to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. Amen. Right now. Right now. They possess the land. That God told Moses. And I'm going to give them. I promised them. I promised Abraham, Isaac and Jacob a land. I'll bring them into that land. And God was faithful to do that. And they inhabit the land. Right now. So if God is able to do that for, a, for His natural people, Israel, don't you think that the God that redeemed you is the same God that will take you all the way through? That's right. Amen? Amen. Because we have His Spirit. We have His power resident on the inside of us. And if God has the power to redeem me from sin, then He's got the power to see me all the way through this thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want you to stand this morning all over this building. I trust that somehow the Word of the Lord has been able to impart some hope to you. We're living in a world that is reeking with sin and the effects of it, degradation. Our school children are being preyed upon with adults that have sick, twisted, demented, and devil-influenced minds. That's the world that we're in right now. And we look around and we think, my God, is there any hope? I'm going to tell you, the only hope of this world is Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you're redeemed today, while all of these things are concerning to us, and they should be, you don't need to, as Israel did, or, or Judah did, in Babylonian captivity, you don't need to lose your hope, and you don't need to lose your song. Amen. Because Jesus said that these things have got to come to pass. But when the time has been fulfilled, there's going to be a sound that pierces the sky and gravity is going to lose its hold on the redeemed people of God. Why? Because He redeemed us and He's going to take us all the way through. Amen? Amen? I want you, I want you to come. We started something several weeks ago. We're not going to just preach and leave. We're going to go home by way of the altar. And so I want you to come and I want you to begin to talk to the Lord. 
Let God through His Word, through His Spirit, and through His voice help you today and give you hope this morning in the fact that if He redeemed you, He will carry you all the way through. In Jesus' name.